I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a holistic look at the power of music in our everyday lives. Joining me today from California is Christopher Caliendo, founder of 2T Academy. Christopher combines 35 years of experience in the entertainment industry with 15 years of commercial banking practice to teach musicians how to parlay their core creative and soft skills into the world of business while accelerating their creative aspirations. 2T Academy members learn how to achieve financial stability and work-life balance without having to go back to college to earn a business or finance degree. Welcome to Enhanced Life with Music, Christopher. Thank you, Mindy. It's a pleasure to be here. Christopher, you were incredibly successful in the music and entertainment industry before you made a pivot to the world of banking. We could feature an entire episode on your music accomplishments. You were invited by Henry Mancini himself to L.A. after winning his scholarship for film composition. That led to your success composing for popular TV shows, an Emmy nomination. You were the first American composer in Vatican history to be commissioned twice by John Paul II. And those are just a few highlights from your pre-banking music days. Tell us what led you to get involved in the banking world after that. Well, it's actually an interesting story because it reflects on what's going on today with another major disruptor, COVID-19. It was the Japanese financial crisis in 1997, and it was a time when I came back from the Vatican. I had taken the two commissions from John Paul and wove them into a two-hour spectacle called The Mystic Saints. And Henry Mancini, my mentor, and Steve Binder, one of the great Hollywood specialty directors who directed the Elvis Presley comeback special in 1968, said, this is your one-line resume. This is something you need to cultivate. So I made the biggest mistake anyone makes, can make, in, in especially in entertainment um, and in the music industry, and that's I use my own money, to try to mount this on St. Peter's Square for the Jubilee Year 2000. And this is a time when the Japanese financial crisis had its major effect in vertical markets across the world. And PBS had changed their policy. It used to be you could take a project to PBS like the Mystic Saints, and they would fund it and have exclusive distribution rights to produce it through PBS. That changed immediately, and I had to fund the entire thing, and then they would distribute it. There were many changes going on as a result, the crisis in the, in the arts and cultural arena as well. And it, all of this precipitated to a point where I realized and panicked that this was not going to happen. And I spent six figures and more. When you, when you have a budget, for instance, a production budget to mount something on St. Peter's Square at the time, that could cost $30,000. Mm-hmm. So eventually, I realized that using all my resources and just focusing on that one aspect of my business, which was theater and something very difficult to produce, a two-hour new spectacle – um, I fled to Utrecht, Holland, to mount it there. It didn't happen. I went to St. Patrick's Cathedral, New York, where I was born. Couldn't mount it there. Exhausted myself and basically had uh, a little bit of counseling uh, and sold my house, moved into an apartment and said, what now? And looked into the papers in Los Angeles Times. And lo and behold, there was an advertisement uh, for a telemarketing position at Manufacturers Bank. And I said to myself, Christopher, what better way to learn wealth management so this never happens to me again than a bank? Mm -hmm. And fortunately, because of my soft skills in collaboration and communication, attention to detail, time management, I found that I was very good at providing an invisible handshake through the phone to a CEO of a business whose annual revenue was $50 or above and influence them to meet our bank. 
and I became top sales telemarketing salesperson for five years in a row, and that was my entree into the banking world. Wow, that is quite a story. Well, 2T's website, and I'll just clarify for listeners, 2T, it's the number two, the letter T. I know sometimes when it's said really fast, it sounds kind of like 2D. But 2T website says, discover how to use your skills that you learned in your music education and why they are so valued by the business world. Talk to us about what are skills that we learn in music education. You talked about soft skills. You use the term core creative skills. What are these skills that are sort of unique to being a musician and and studying music that are valued in the business world? Sure. Musicians develop soft skills, or the academics like to refer to them as core creative skills. But from the perspective of the musician, there are so many soft skills. So what I have done in my training at the 2D Academy is reduce them to the top five that employers in industry are seeking and then list those supportive or corresponding soft skills that are like subsets of the main five. So, for example, the top five would be communication, problem-solving, creativity, adaptability, work ethic. So, under communication, you have corresponding soft skills that are often interact with communication, such as active listening which requires the listener fully concentrates, understands or responds and remembers what is being said. You have confidence, which is a state of being clear-headed, right? Or that a chosen course of action is the best and most effective. You have conflict resolution, facilitating the peaceful ending of a conflict. And you have organization, putting things together in logical order in one's mind. Now, I did a very careful study of this, relating these subsets into the main category of communication that relates specifically to musical education. So, for the perspective of industry, I also did a study of the top three requirements by human resources and recruiters across a variety of industries and vertical markets. And interestingly enough, they are communication, which, of course, is collaboration into personal skills, active listening, organization, attention to detail and time management, and conflict management. And is this study just like a recent study? Is this something that covers like the last 20 years? What study time period is this covering? Very recent study, last six months, because, you know, all you have to do is go to LinkedIn, for example, and look at the job listings there and study with human resources a listing and required skill sets. And you will see time and time again, communication, problem solving. Career. I mean, I can So these deeper. are keywords that you're looking for. Yeah, you could say they're keywords. Absolutely. Okay. So tell us again what those top skills are that corporate recruiters are looking for right now. As I mentioned, communication, for example, the ability to articulate both in writing verbally with colleagues and clients, considered one of the most highly valued skills to employers. So an employer would expect that every email you send, an interview you participate in, shows your ability to communicate effectively. If I use creativity as an example, thinking outside the box, you can imagine how important it is today given how competitive industries are in selling products and offering a unique perspective that examines all the angles of a problem. So the employer would ask you on interview to explain why your unique background experience may be helpful in this new role. And adaptability, another huge skill set that musicians have. I mean, there is a self-preservation gene in musicians. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's sort of the ability to say, I accept a lifestyle of playing gig to gig to gig to gig. It, mm-hmm. It's an amazing 
primal self-justifying need in a musician and in an artist's life. So we have adaptability in spades, and that's the ability to adapt to change, which is so critical regarding today's business trends and evolving technology on a day-to-day basis. The employer then would ask you to speak about a time where something unexpected occurred, but you were able to problem-solve and pull something together for a positive end result. Sure. Now, some listeners are going to be in the camp where they hear the soft skills that you just described, adaptability, work ethic, creativity, communication, and so forth. And the, the connection is going to be really clear to them between being a musician and developing those skills. For listeners who aren't necessarily seeing that correlation, just briefly talk to us about the correlation that you see between being a musician and having those soft skills. The correlation between being a musician and having those soft skills. Can you take that one step further? Yeah. So your 2T website is calling in musicians and saying, you have these skills that you learned in your music education, and they are valued by the business world. So talk to us a little bit about what correlation do you see between someone who is a musician? Why do they have higher levels of these soft skills than anybody else out there who's not a musician? Let me answer that question in a unique way, which which actually leads, leads you into the course itself. When I have a student, for example, who is identifying their soft and adaptability strengths through the coursework. So we can profile what particular soft skills and adaptability strengths they have that are very coherent and developed, and then how we apply that knowledge to gain advantage in securing a job with an industry. So in other words, I have asked students as part of their requirements for a lesson plan to complete a LinkedIn video script based on their soft skills and using keywords corporate businesses look for in writing an effective resume. So one of my client's skills learned in music that she feels very confident in is attention to detail. Uh, Musicians have outstanding attention to detail. You can imagine playing Mm -hmm. an instrument. You can imagine composing music, the amount of detail. And that means continuous improvement. They have determination, self-motivation. These are all soft skills that are very much analogous to attention to detail, the determination to play well, the self-motivation to mastered instrument, the continuous improvement involved to master something. So she wrote an exercise for a 40-second LinkedIn video promotion, and I asked her to tell a story of how her music makes her exceptional in attention to detail, but use keywords associated with the corporate world. Why? Because when a recruiter is looking at your LinkedIn profile and they're watching your video, you want to speak their language. You want to be able to use the words they use, and that gets them excited and actually outranks you from the other participants for this particular job. So she wrote, The following, when preparing my music, my objective is to constantly improve my playing and aim for the highest level possible. Every piece I practice can benefit by increasing my attention and focus on the variety of details written by the composer. I maximize my practice time by breaking details down and working on selecting key areas of difficulty. I accelerate my results by optimizing my use of time. For example, by slowing down the tempo, my mind is able to sync with the mechanics of my hands, thus increasing my awareness of every aspect of the music. Once a slower tempo is mastered, I then introduce a slightly faster tempo until I can perform the music without error at the desired speed. Practicing shorter intervals throughout the day and utilizing this approach allows me to optimize my practice sessions and reduce performance anxiety. 
And you can see how the musician can use their language and their storytelling with the keywords associated with the corporate recruiter looking for these types of employees to hire for their company. Yeah, kind of a way of translating the language from the music context to the business context. Any other comments that you have on how music training creates these soft skills that today's business world is looking for? Well, I can talk about the history of why the MFA is now more important than the MBA yeah, by recruiters to today. That. Is that is that a good topic yes, to talk to? Because yes. That was another is, one of my questions. You said that the MFA is the new MBA and the MFA is the new hot thing for corporate recruiters. In fact, I think you said MBAs are the next blue collar workers. <laughs> so I'd love to hear your yeah, explanation it, of your perspective on this topic. This, uh, in, If you're trying to... And I'm not trying to reform music education. I'm trying to motivate and inspire musicians to revalue their music education, especially those that are facing the top four pain points today, which are lack of jobs, the anxiety of student debt, the concern about technology learned in school and whether it will be applicable after school. And these Gen Xs now are, interestingly enough, are very interested in a sustainable life. How to have work-life balance is a very important need for these young people, and I applaud them because they are thinking about those later biological stages that require marriage and children if applicable. And they're looking, how do I gain financial stability in my 20s as opposed to entrusting this gypsy life of gig to gig Mm -hmm. to gig to gig to get myself to a point where my expectations perhaps don't match reality. So it was Daniel Pink in his 2004 seminal book, A Whole New Mind, that coined this expression. There's a chapter in that book called The MFA is the New MBA. It's not my... I love Daniel Pink's writing. I don't think I've read that book, though. I'll have to check it out. Oh, the subtitle for the book arrested my attention. Why right-brainers will rule the future. Ooh, yes, I'll definitely have to check that one out. (laughs) And all of a sudden, because I was doing preliminary work on building an academy, and when you build a business, I mean, you, you have to build it intelligently, coherently, cogently. You have to be able to talk about why we have arrived at a place in our history where classical music has really assuaged since... Lebrecht seminal book in 1996 or 7, Who Killed Classical Music? Till the recession we just we have just been through, 2008, and now COVID. So the right brain, as you know, is more visual and intuitive. It has a more creative and less organized way of thinking. While the left hemisphere excels at analysis, the right hemisphere reasons holistically. It recognizes patterns and interprets emotions. So the right brain is also connected to imagination, holistic thinking, intuition, feelings, Uh, So Mr. Pink talks about the last decades belonging to a certain kind of person with a certain kind of mind, computer programmers who could crank code, lawyers who could craft contracts, MBAs who could crunch numbers. And then he tells us that the keys to the kingdom are changing hands. The future belongs to a very different kind of person. Uh, These people, artists, inventors, musicians, designers, storytellers, even caregivers, consolers, big picture thinkers will now reap society's richest rewards and share its greatest joys. So in other words, abundance has produced an ironic result that triumph of left-directed thinking has lessened its significance. For business, it's no longer enough to create a product that's reasonably priced and adequately functional. It must be beautiful, unique, meaningful, right? So look look at Apple computers over mm-hmm. PC. When you buy a pair of jeans today, there's, there's 100 jeans to choose from. So the markets today have been so, so competitive that art and transformational design has become the last bastion of stronghold to outdistance yourself or gain greater market share than your competitor. 
It was uh, Family Business Advisors Network who published some very interesting comments regarding uh, the death of corporate America. This is the America my dad worked for, you know, the post office, the punch card job, 30 years ahead, I can, I can plan my, my retirement, right? That doesn't exist today. So no job is dependable, even at the Fortune 500 level, where we see companies laying off thousands of employees and then hiring thousands of employees. So for the last 10 years or more, businesses are realizing that the only way to differentiate their goods and services, and it's overstock materially abundant marketplace was to make their products transcendent, physically beautiful, emotionally stimulating. Mm. But it was not just a concern for beauty and emotionally compelling products. The competitive landscape began to become a threat to all types of businesses, including commercial banks, as I explained to you, who began hiring people like me, whose thought process was not typical. Mm. So what I did at banking that used my soft skills, even though there was a rite of passage to all these left-brain, Pepperdine, Harvard, business graduates, Marshall School of Business, Wharton School of Business, was I introduced video marketing to the banking community. It's so regulated that they were so afraid of using video marketing that I was the first person to say, hey, the times of taking out a CPA for a salmon lunch and talk about how both of you can work together and share opportunities. And the next day, that particular person I just took out for lunch is going out with Chase or Morgan Mm -hmm. Stanley having the same salmon salad. And (laughs) then I would get a referral and it would be so left of center. I would say, what happened here? We don't really work in underserved markets. We work for companies that, you know, $100 million in sales or above. So I said to my executives, I said, this has got to change. We have to have a deeper dive with our centers of influence. So I chose... Let me go into the corporate office, bring my camera and lighting equipment. I'll take a two or three minute video. I'll produce it so I can put their value propositions on camera and deepen that relationship that no other banker can. Now, no other banker thinks this way. Now, I put on concerts. I perform concerts all over the world. So I took it a step further. If you're going to video market, and I, now I have a nice, beautiful two-minute video to share with my clients to get work for you, and now I'm on top of your mind because I'm a banker who did this, I'm going to invite you to be a guest speaker at a country club. You're going to be the musician talking about R&D tax credits or expense reduction analysis. And then I'll take it a step further. I'll publish articles about your business on a quarterly basis that covers current trends. Mm. So this This is the way a musician, a creative person can work and adapt their skill sets into other industries. Uh, And I applaud Daniel Pink because he he started inspiring me, you know, to answer that question, should musicians consider a day job in the business world? Uh And if so, how can they find that job that aligns well with their creative goals and skills? And I said, my God, this is autobiographical. I can actually create (laughs) a music school based on my own experience. Yeah, interesting how sometimes those greatest crises and what seems like the most negative thing that could possibly happen to us can become redeemed. It can become this catalyst for something. And now you have this whole new (laughs) new career in life where you're helping so many people. Here's a quick break for one of our sponsors. Someone may have told you that ARP isn't for you, but they were wrong. Welcome to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Anyone can create Arts for the Health of It. No talent or experience necessary. This is Bob Bender, host of the Business Side of Music podcast. Check out our show where we talk about all things related to the music industry. We laugh, we share memories, we discuss what's worked and what didn't work. 
Our industry is always evolving and can never be locked inside a box. From the rookie fresh off the bus to the well-seasoned professional wondering which new direction to take their career, our show covers all the bases. Join us as we chase this elusive animal we like to call the music industry. Check us out at businesssideofmusic.com. Let's talk a little bit more about reasons people may have for wanting to pivot from a musical career into the business world. You talked about your experience. I think everybody knows the term starving artist, and there's a reason that term is in our vernacular. I mean, it can be really hard to make it as an artist or musician, but there's so much in the news now because of what's been happening with COVID. I just saw an article recently called Musicians Are Abandoning the Industry for a Stabler Career. And it's interesting, based on what you said recently, the article doesn't even say for a stable career, but it's a stabler career. And that article is all about the uncertainty that is a part of being a musician and an artist now because you don't know if these gigs are going to happen or not. I mean, we just had over a year where everything was canceled. And even now that things are starting to reopen, a lot of musicians are like, I'm not sure I'm just going to go flocking back to this anymore because things are still being canceled last minute. And along with the income implications of that uncertainty, there's the psychological implications of that constant back and forth and uncertainty. And then I think too, I'm, I'm a member of several professional Facebook groups and and just recently, someone had posted and said, I feel like that I'm the only person in my circle who has a master's degree and has to work this hard for so little in return. And <laughs> it's like, I love being at the piano all day, but the financial realities of being this dedicated and this educated but still living with money and time anxieties, it's burdensome. And they were asking, what are our options if we want to stay in the field of music, but we desperately want the benefits of traditional employment, like healthcare and sick leave, family Mm. leave, vacation, things Mm. like that. So are there other reasons that you're commonly seeing for people wanting to consider this pivot from a world where their career is in music to parlaying those skills into the business world? Yeah, it's a great, great question. And, you know, Mindy, musicians more than ever before, to your point, are curious today about the transfer of music disciplines to the business world. And it is a subject that receives increasing attention within businesses that are looking for high-performing employees and candidates with specific skills. Unfortunately, much of the information remains within the business world and not in academia where music departments are not preparing or recognizing the reality within which their students face upon graduation. Mm -hmm. And what I mean is... Today, musicians have to plan to pursue a career outside of music because, and these are the major points, lack of music jobs, enormous debt musicians face as a result of the demand for advanced degrees, which sadly Mm -hmm. have outlived their usefulness, Mm -hmm. the anxiety and worry that comes from the reality of paying that debt, and the concern of life balance, as I mentioned before, has reached a state of maximum concern. So as a result... Musicians are now asking me, you know, how can I revalue that, that degree without having to go back to school to earn a degree in another mm-hmm. field? And it's no wonder why you are here today, you know, talking to me on this subject because musicians today recognize the need to adapt to these changes proactively. Their purpose, their inquisitiveness, their resilience to see this through and their acceptance that a threat is looming drives their adaptive nature and commitment to change. So to further, you know, engage in what you're saying, the, the reality of today's current job market is you have to learn. Now, this is what we teach at the academy. This is what you're not going to learn in school. You have to learn how to use analytics to research business trends. 
And we have in our adjunct faculty, Dennis Kushner, MBA grad from USC in his 60s, very, very seasoned. He teaches our students how to do this. So because it makes complete sense that if you are serious about your life and how to choose to navigate the world to pay your fixed and variable cost, if you're going to use your creative skills in another industry, that you do it intelligently. You choose an industry that, number one, is growing because that means it pays well and it provides financial security. You want to make sure it offers a good benefits package. And we go over that at the academy. You want to make sure it corresponds with your particular soft skills and adaptability strengths. And you want to make sure it's aligned. This is the key. You want to make sure that your daytime job is aligned with your musical career goals. Mm -hmm. This will have a fantastic, meritorious effect on lessening the months or years of marginalized thinking and accelerate your musical growth. Uh, there was a period when it was, for instance, cool, hip, trendy, maybe to work at a coffee shop, right? You work at Starbucks, make a dollar while attending school. It's socially engaging, interactive, and fun. But we see in today's young musician a wonderful newness, a very different person. Today's musician is quite serious about paying off debt and saving money early in their career. And to your point, this starving artist syndrome is taboo. We don't, we don't accept that anymore. They do not want a career where they will struggle. They value music, but they are seeking to incorporate those skills into other industries that pay well and have a good benefits package and will supply them with a different kind of network that will give them invaluable knowledge and connections which will help their long-term creative aspirations. This is key. This is what we train musicians to do. You go through coursework to understand soft skills and adaptability strengths. You learn analytical trends. What businesses do you enjoy? We have a psychiatrist on board, too, to make sure we, we, we were able to uh, comfort your mindset because this is a very difficult transition for some. It's a self-esteem issue. Mm-hmm. You, you're asking me to let go of something I've been doing since a child and adapt to businesses. But if you have a predilection, a commonsensical aspect to your life where you're saying, wait a minute, I have control of this. This is not forever. But if I choose the right business correctly and incorporate my soft skills and adaptability strengths to HR requirements, I can actually seize a very, very good paying job and be in a very positive network and gain knowledge and technology. But if I choose very carefully one that corresponds with my musical aspirations. Now I'm lessening those months of marginalized thinking. Now I'm accelerating that potential. And that's what I did. I had no idea. I was unconscious of this when I went into the banking world. I just needed a job. And now uh, my biggest fear, Mindy, was am I going to meet a director or a producer with a suit and tie on? That I Because I was very substantial in Hollywood for a number of years. And it did happen. I was at Barnes & Noble taking a break, drove out to the Grove, and here I am. And all of a sudden, Albert Fisher walks up to me, a National Emmy Award-winning director that I had the privilege of scoring some Discovery Channel shows, including the Patricia Hearst Secrets of San Simeon show on Discovery, which was their biggest show. And he was with his wife, Ricca. And he saw me, he goes, what's the suit, what's the suit and tie for? And I, and I couldn't lie to the man. I said, well, I, I had a funny job. I, I'm a banker now. And Rick, his wife, came up to me and put her hands on my shoulders and said, good for you. Hmm. And that just, the demon left me. And I uh. went, you know, Christopher, it's okay. It's okay. Well, I think this is really is a key thing that you're bringing up and that it's not, this isn't an either or situation. Are you either 
fulfill my passions creatively in music, or I settle and go to the business world to pay my bills and make a living. You can have both. And so I think that's really key where you're talking about find a job in the business world where you can incorporate those passions and skills and abilities that you already have in a way that can advance them and accelerate them and be used to your advantage within the business setting. Yeah. Here's another thing, too, that I it's very uh, interesting, this whole idea of a formula for adaptability. And this is module two in one of the larger flagship courses we offer at the 2D Academy. But we cover using, for example, we review each student and how they learn about adaptability in association with their artistic career and how they intend to support it with a daytime job. So we ask, what is your purpose? Now, People just have an unusual reaction to that. Your art is a product. It needs to provide a solution. Every product in your house provides a solution. Carpet Mm -hmm. cleaner, soap, whatever it is. Your art is a product. What is its purpose? Mm -hmm. And right away you start thinking, wow, I'm not sure if I can answer that question. But if I could, I would know how to market myself immediately. Mm -hmm. How do you define your sense of inquisitiveness towards that purpose? Define your resilience. What steps are you taking to ensure that purpose is being pursued? Now, if we were looking at a uh, quotient, nominator, denominator, the denominator in this is what threats do you feel you need to be aware of? What triggers those threats? So when a student is trained to think like this relative to organizing their life within a sustainable structure, they will now develop a rudder that steers a ship provided with a prescription to avoid as much natural chaos and malevolence that's inherent in the world we live in, reduce marginalized thinking, and set themselves up for a sustainable journey with a healthy, coherent work-life balance formula. So to answer this question, when educated in this way, the student comes to a realistic fulfillment of how their soft skill training is valued today. Is a very important aspect is adaptability. Mm. Because, you know, I, I know there are probably many musicians, God bless them, but they may flippantly think, oh, I'll just study music and I'll do that. It seems cool. But I think today, what's great about today and COVID, with all respect to, to but in a sense, there's positive and negative in everything, is that it's waking us up. These young people today, and I applaud them who are practical enough saying, you know, I really want to understand that it's just not really learning the technical skills of an instrument, which is what academia is for. Mm-hmm. But once they're jettisoned outside and have to answer that ubiquitous question, what do I do next? What choices do I have? What's your response been from people in the world of academia when you talk to them about, I assume you've talked to them about, hey, how can we incorporate some of this information in this perspective into what we're teaching our up-and-coming musicians? You know, right now, because it is in a transition, you have to be, I have to be very careful because I'm not trying to come across as a threat to academia. Mm-hmm. I have to be vocal about the subject, and I am on a number of daises. Mm-hmm. But academia is in agreement with me. Okay. You know, we, we agree that things have to change and music has to be reformed. Well, for musicians who are contemplating a switch to business, or if they already know that's the right move for them, what recommendations do you have in terms of next steps? You have the 2T Academy. Do you work with both of those camps at 2T or just the musicians who have already made the decision, yes, I need to make a change? Okay, now explain both camps. I'm a little off there. Yes. So one camp would be those who are contemplating a switch to business. They're hearing this thinking, um, I need to check this out some more and consider uh, this. The other camp is someone who said, yeah, I know I need to do this. I see. I, I, you know, your language, I'm getting familiar with it. So we use the word audiences, but camps is fine. Now I understand. So uh, all, all good. So members who come to us, the 2D Academy, uh, and by the way, 2T comes from the Italian. I, my parents are Italian, but um, 
Tutti, T-U-T-T-I, means everyone. So that's where Tutti, the number two letter T, comes from. So members who come to the Tutti Academy, the wish to learn how to use their musical education to succeed in today's business world, there are generally two types of camps. Uh, the, first are, <laughs> the first are college students, who we talked about. They recognize they need and want to learn how to use their soft skills and to seize a high-quality job to start paying off debt establish practical wealth management skill sets, good networking skill sets, etc. Initially, they will go through programs on identity because we have to teach the student how to be self-reliant and accountable with their unique self. And we train them how to actualize their unique characteristics and combine them into an image inspired by childhood themes that have shown remarkable stability throughout their young adult lives. And this is key to the academy. The period of emulation, mimicry, technique ends and self-discovery begins. The other camp are those musicians who have had successful careers, but COVID has dispossessed them or repositioned their mindset, mm. meaning they have now arrived at that biological stage where they are contemplating marriage and, if applicable, children. They're asking questions, how can I maintain a sustainable career, doing what I love to do, but also preparing for retirement mm-hmm. and life as an elderly person? So for this audience, we have that flagship program, Octavate, which is divided into six modules, over 35 exercises, knowledge assessments that covers topics taught by our adjunct faculty of top CEOs and MBAs. So if there is a guiding rudder to answer your question that navigates each member through the three main search engines of the site, it's training the student on self-reliance and accountability through our initial course identity. And without knowing yourself, you can't possibly identify with your unique place in the marketplace you are competing in. After that course, they go into module one and two, They build and develop their profile by identifying their soft and adaptability strengths. The purpose of these lessons fuels the student with their personal keywords and language, which I spoke about, and rhetoric based on their unique qualifications. In Module 3, we teach them to transfer their creative skills successfully to business by showing them how to read business trends, how to analyze the creative job market, and identify those vertical markets that correspond to their unique soft skill and adaptability profiles. In Module 4, they learn the advantage of a corporate job, that benefits package I spoke about, wealth management, choosing the correct health insurance policy, networking strategies, work-life balance, how to use the daytime job to accelerate their musical vision. They're trained on the big picture, what financial stability brings. It brings less stress, better health, better marriages, more options in life, the freedom to be generous, more financially stable children. Module 5, the student researches three creative industries that match their soft and adaptability strengths that are thriving industries and pay well. So these three industries not only appeal to the student, but the knowledge, the technology, the internal, external networking connections correspond with their long-term career goals. We teach each member tips for a successful interview, how to write an effective resume, how to create an effective LinkedIn profile. And finally, in Module 6, we teach them how to accelerate their musical career while having what we call in the corporate world a portfolio career, basically several streams of income. So we teach you how to effectively manage time. And the final exam is developing your pathway to success Mm. by detailing your operations plan into a digital calendar, your rudder that steers the ship. Sounds very comprehensive. Wow. Well, I will include lots of links, of course, in the show notes to 2D Academy, to Christopher and learning more, connecting with him and his work. I always include a quote when I'm promoting these episodes on social media. And as you were talking, there were just multiple times where I was thinking, oh, that would be a great quote. Or, oh, that would be a great one. So I will have lots of fun things to choose from when I go through the editing process of this. Thank you so much for all of this information. 
Christopher, I ask all my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending, a coda, by sharing a song or a story about a moment that music enhanced your life. Is there anything you want to share with us as a musical ending in closing out our conversation today? Oh, my goodness. Um, I would just like to share some inspiring words on what music is. Uh, I was at a Rotary Club last week, and one person asked me, how do you define music? And it's not surprising that people have valued music as works of art, which attempt to extract you know, some kind of meaning out of human suffering. Renaissance tragedy symbolizes death and suffering as transcendent archetypes, because a particular vision of human nobility transcends the horror of the action, right? So music may even allow us to find meaning in what is horrifying. And if music has an agenda... From a metaphysical point of view, perhaps it provides a bastion, a stronghold, a safe fortification where we can escape the malevolence of the world, even if temporary. It provides profound resource, a, a quiet garden, you know, for man's indomitable need for life balance. And, and as from a psychological point of view, music is a self-justifying primal need. We will always do it. Mankind will create art because it has to. And how? Recreating reality according to the creator's metaphysical value judgment. So to finalize, what that means is... And I'll speak from a composer's point of view. Music is a cognitive process. It starts out in the cognitive process. And then the composer seeks the widest metaphysical abstractions and brings them together into perceptual awareness, which, of course, is the actual performance the audience hears. So if I were to identify with that, widest metaphysical abstractions, what does love mean to me? And all of its shades and meanings. And how that is put together into the composer's mind from the abstract into the perceptual. So if these thoughts on how I define music help people, motivate them, inspire them to continue recreating music, then I hope that that helps. Thanks so much to Christopher for this great information and for joining us today. You will find links in the show notes to all the resources we discussed, including 2D Academy and ways to connect with Christopher and his work. I want to let you know about a new feature on my website. Now that we have over 100 episodes all on various aspects of the holistic power of music, I wanted to make it a little easier to explore certain topics if a specific topic is of more interest to you. So in the archive section of my website, you can still view all episodes by release date. You can now also view episodes by topic. They are grouped into four main categories, science and health, sports and entertainment, education and community, and business. Just go to the website mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast and choose archives from the podcast drop down menu. Enhanced Life with Music's second birthday is coming up in August. Please help us celebrate by giving us the best birthday gift ever, voting to nominate us for the People's Choice Podcast Award. If you listen to this before August 1st, please go to podcastawards.com and click the blue button to vote. Scroll to the music category and select Enhance Life with Music. Voting ends July 31st. Thank you in advance for supporting the show in this way. As always, you'll find a transcript of this episode in the show notes at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast. This is episode 105. And you'll find me on email, mindy at mpetersonmusic.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. All links are on my website and in the episode details right in your podcast app. Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.